Last week, we started a new series in Nehemiah, and I thought one of the most important points was that uh, Nehemiah partnered with God on this amazing, heroic, historic event of rebuilding the walls uh, uh, around Jerusalem. And I think partnering with God is so significant, I want to focus on that today as well. But I want to also say that we don't have to be heroic and participating in historic kinds of things uh, to partner with God, as if those are the only kinds of things uh, God wants to partner with us on. Um, in fact, I, I think it's quite the opposite. This is our prayer list. Uh, every week, we invite you to fill out the co connection card. Uh, you just heard that. On the back of that is a prayer request card, and uh, you can fill that out uh, and give us your name or not. And uh, this goes to the elders and the deacons and our congregational care team and our staff. And our staff prays for this list every week by name. And it's an honor, it's a privilege to do that. This week, there are 50 people who put prayer requests in. And some of them have two, three, five, ten different names of people or events that they are praying for and want us to pray with them. There are hundreds of prayer requests here. And every one of them is an opportunity to partner with God. These are the things. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to have some big, grand, and glorious thing. God isn't only looking for those of us, show of hands, who have no problems, everything's great, we're, we're just waiting around for something huge. To, 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 as soon as something's worth my time, I'm going to invest in it you know, to partner with God on No. It, first of all, there's none of us like that. Uh, we are all involved in these kinds of things. And uh, these are where God wants to partner with us. So, uh, so with every one of us looking at, uh, at ways to partner with God, we can learn, <clears throat> excuse me, learn from Nehemiah. Uh, how did he do it? And I think there are a couple things that we can learn. So I want to dive into the text from Nehemiah chapter 2. We'll read it, and then we'll process it a little bit. It says, Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, which is March, uh, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king! How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates, uh, the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heavens, uh, for the prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. <clears throat> then it says, The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And... Please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and <clears throat> for a house for myself. 
And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. So there's a lot here to unpack, and uh, I think God wants to speak to us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for Nehemiah, a man, a person like us in many ways, who rose to a level of opportunity and responsibility, partnering with you on an amazing event in history. Help us to learn how we can partner with you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, a lot we could unpack, but I just, oh, thanks. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I want to just focus on, uh, thank you, uh, on the things that relate uh, to partnering with God, because there's so many things that we could talk about from uh, chapter 2. And I think that there are two essentials that we can look at, and each essential has one characteristic. So we're going to look at about four things. And the first one is this, plan like it depends on you. Plan like it depends on you. It says, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, I also said to the king, uh, so it starts with that, and then jumps to verse 7, I also said to the king, if it pleased the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province, instructing them to let me travel safely, and please give me a letter to the manager's king, uh, uh, the forest, in the, the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber, I'm going to need it to build the walls, and, and, uh, and, and a house for myself, and, you know, room and board, I'm going to need all that kind of stuff. And so when we look back uh, at chapter 1, it says at the very beginning of chapter 1 that the news that came to Nehemiah came in November. And now it says it's March. That's four months. So for four months, Nehemiah didn't go to the king. What do you think he was doing? Planning. He, it was a huge endeavor for him to do this. He had to put a plan together. And um, so he finally, in March, he's got it all figured out, and he goes before the king and uh, looks sad. That, and, and the king says to him, why, why so sad? Why so glum? What's the problem? And he says, well, how could I not be sad? The, the walls of my you know, city, Jerusalem, are, have come down, and uh, it's, everything's bad. And um, the king says, well, how can I help you? Now, I love this. Can I just aside for a minute? You know, you go to somebody, uh, I was in fundraising for a number of years, and, you know, you go to someone who's used to giving away money uh, or used to, you know, helping people, and uh, you go to them, and they know immediately, oh, they, need, they want my help, right? So he goes, he goes to the king, and he looks sad, and he says, why wouldn't I be sad? I, I you know, my, this, the, the walls are torn down. And the king's like, what do you need? <laughs> right? That's exa- what do you need? You know, he literally says, how can I help? The king isn't, isn't surprised at all. The king isn't, you know, he's not wondering, I wonder why he's talking to me about this. Oh, no, he knows, right? He says, what do you need? Well, now that you ask, <laughs> I'm going to need uh, to go away for a while, and I need, to, I need, safe, I need safe travels between here and there because it's a 1,000 miles. Oh, by the way, I'm going to need you to provide the lumber for it, and I need a house. Uh, you know, he's got, the, he's got this thing thought through. He's planning like it depends on him. Uh, you know, human beings can plan. Oh, my gosh, can we, can we make big plans? and set big goals. In 1980, Microsoft and Bill Gates set a goal. Listen to this. 
uh, a computer on every desk and in every home. Uh, wow, that's great. Uh, I don't know how long they expected that to take, but in 1980, that was Microsoft's goal, a computer on every desk and in every home. Uh, the challenge was the technology didn't exist in 1980 for that to happen. And in fact, um, you know, today, new phones have like 128 or 256K in them. Whatever a K is, it's got like 256 of them. That, that's a lot. So here's the HP 85 in 1980. This was the top-of-the-line computer. And uh, that had 16K in it whatever K is, and it has a black and white screen. The screen is about the size of our phone screens now that are, you know, 4K, 1080, you know, millions of colors. That's black and white, and it runs on DOS. Anybody remember DOS? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't even know what it stands for, but it stands for you can't use this. Um, so... And it's the size of a typewriter, and it costs $3,200. Phones, right? You know, phones you can get for $200 up to $1,500. So basically, his goal, impossible. But I think he put a lot of planning into it. Microsoft did. And guess what? They have so surpassed their a computer in every home. There's a computer in every pocket. There's a computer in every purse, every toaster almost had, coffee makers have computers in them now. So I am sure that Microsoft planned like it all depended on them. And so did Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah spent four months and made plans for transportation, for building materials, for safety along the way, for room and board when he got there. He had it all figured out. He had it planned. So number one, when we partner with God, plan like it depends on us. And, uh, but eventually, we need to move forward. You know, you can plan and plan and plan. I have a friend who's an engineer, and he, he says that he has, um, uh, what's the word for, oh, now I've lost it, but uh, where, um, where he plan, anal yes, analysis paralysis, thank you. Uh, analysis paralysis, you must know one. Analysis paralysis, where he would just plan and plan and plan and plan and plan, but never, never do anything. And uh, we, we eventually have to move forward. And when we move forward, we're going to hit some fear. We are going to be afraid. We can't help it. And so if the essential thing we need to do is to plan like it depends on us, the characteristic of that is that we need to push through the fear. Push through the fear. So it says, the, the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. I'm so grateful he said that. It says, then I was terrified, but I replied. He pushed through the fear. Okay, there's going to be fear. We can't help it. Um, faith is not going to stop us from being afraid. It's a human thing. It's going to happen. Our adrenaline's going to go up. You know, our heart rate's going to beat faster. We're going to get sweaty palms. Um, uh, our, our head can try to explain to our bodies, it's fine. But our bodies aren't listening. So I had this happen to me. I was at a retreat, and uh, they, we had the ropes course. And sure, I'll do a ropes course. So, you know, you climb up the, the, the tower, and you're, well, I don't know, 20 feet off the ground. Not, not, I mean, it's not that big a deal. And they, they put you up on a, on a cable, uh, and then they send you out on a, on a rope bridge. There's one big rope to walk on and two to hold on to. 
okay, it could be a little dangerous, but you've got a cable on, you know, that's holding you. I mean, the worst that can happen is you would dangle on this cable. Um, but very quickly, that 20 foot down disappears. You're walking over a canyon. So it's 100, 150 feet down. And you get out to the middle, and somebody at the other end starts shaking the... So I'm terrified. Don't feel bad for me, because the reason he was doing it is because I did it to him first. The so. <laughs> so I totally deserved it. But the point was, I was grabbed onto those ropes, and I was not moving. I was terrified. And my brain was saying to my uh, body, let go and start walking. It's fine. It's safe. You're hooked onto the cable. But my body was saying to my mind, have you looked down lately? And, and I, the more I tried to convince my body, that my body replied back to me, look, you're the one who got us out here. Why would I trust you to, to make a good decision? So we, I love that Nehemiah says, I was terrified. Yes, we are going to be. When we face, we, God partners with us in things that are going to terrify us, things that are too big for us. Um, but we push through. We push through the fear. I love that he says, but I replied. And he got that feeling of fear and a rush of adrenaline. By the way, those do not imply a lack of faith. They just don't. We can have all the faith in the world and we're still going to feel that way. Fear and adrenaline are normal reactions, but faith and commitment and passion are God's invitation to us to push through, to push through the fear and to see God at work even in our challenging circumstances. And when we do that, uh, we reach to the second essential thing that happens and that we need to do when we partner with God. And that's pray like it depends on God. We plan like it depends on us, but we pray like it depends on God. It says the king asked, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heavens, I replied. I love this. With a prayer to the God of heavens, I replied. People talk about arrow prayers. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but they're these, they're these prayers. They shoot them up to God, right? And then, you know, fast. I think, I think it's a great idea. I think that's what Nehemiah did. Because uh, the king says, What can I do to help you? I don't think Nehemiah, hold on just a minute, king. He got down on, Now, Lord, I just pray that during this time with the king that you would do an amazing work in my little bit. No, he, they didn't do any of that. It says, With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. He's like, all right, here we go. Lord, help me. Hit me. Hit me, Lord. Okay, and now let's go. And now he talks to the king. That's, um, uh, we pray like it depends on God. Uh, and he had the plan. He had the walls all figured out. Um, but now he needs to trust God. And in fact, he has to have the king's support. He has to have not only the king's favor, the king has to give him the time off, and then he has to provide him all the resources. I mean, it's one thing to plan for it, but there's no chance Nehemiah could have made the king do it. It's, it's up to God. God's, it depends on him. And so he prayed and asked the Lord to do it. At some point, God-sized goals and plans must be turned over to God. And this is where it gets both exciting and scary. Um, people talk about having goals so big that they could not possibly be accomplished unless God comes through. That's a great kind of goal. You know, we say we do that in church, but oftentimes it's like, okay, we're going to set a goal that only God, we can only do it if God comes through. 
<clears throat> but if he doesn't, our plan B, right? <laughs> we, we all, you know, it's like, no, no, what if we just said, God, you got to come through. Pray like it depends on God. I'll give you a silly illustration um, because, frankly, we could use these. these. These are amazing illustrations of God partnering with us where we need God to come through. We, we pray like it depends on God because it does. Listen to some of these. <clears throat> Struggle with cancer, health issues, job interview, pancreatic cancer, recovering from addiction, blood clots, Alzheimer's, a life taken suddenly, osteoporosis, brain injury. These are the things going on and deal, the people in our church are dealing with. We could take a look at every one of these and say, how is God able to deal with them? Um, but I'd rather, I, I just want to keep it a little lighter, so let me tell you about one of my times. You know, last week I told you about a time I prayed because I wanted a job, and I asked God specifically, would you change the job description so I could get this job? And he did, and I was in that job for 10 years, which was awesome. Well, before that, I was interviewing for other jobs and looking at other positions, and another job came up. It was amazing. It was, it was a bigger church and, uh, than I was at, and it was moving from associate to senior pastor, and I would manage a larger staff, and it, everything worked. I just didn't want it. I didn't want the job. I didn't like the geography. I didn't like the place. Something didn't fit for me, but it was a perfect job. So if they, if they asked me, I'd go because it would have been good for my family. It would have been a good transition. I would have trusted God for it, but I really didn't want to do it. So I began to pray, God, don't let me get this job. <laughs> don't let me get this job. And, uh, and I prayed like it depended on him because I'd had my second interview. They really liked me. I was scared to death they were going to offer me the job. And I, Lord, please, please don't let me get the job. And uh, they called. They had arranged to call me. And uh, I assumed it was to set up my final interview. And uh, it was the chair of the nominating committee saying, you know what, Neil, we've decided, uh, we've decided to move in a different direction. And Really? And uh, they said, yeah. And I said, is there any particular reason? They said, uh, in your sermon that we heard you preach, you had too many ums and ands. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much. So here, here's what I was thinking. Wait, okay, so let's just get this straight. You were con seriously considering me to be the senior pastor of a large church with a large budget, with a large staff and a large session, and, man and manage all of that and lead a congregation, but you didn't think you could ask me and give me a little bit of negative you know, you know, constructive feedback and have me, you know, work with that and, and never say um or and again in a sermon? Wow, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, well, I'll be praying for you and your, you know, the new pastor of your church and, you know, thank you so much for your, blah, blah, blah. hung up and I went, thank you, Lord. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. How, how in the world did that happen? Thank you, God, for answering my prayer. It, I, I prayed like it depended on God and it did. Can I tell you what I think happened? This is not in the Bible, but this is what I think happened. I think God was in his office one morning, and St. Peter came in, and God looked up, and he had a, Peter had a, you know, a sad look on his face, a frustrated look on his face, and God's like, what? And Peter just goes, Nibo, it's Nibo, <laughs> again. And God's like, what is it this time? He says, he said, wait, God says, wait a minute. I thought we had this all set. This, this, the church, they're going to hire him. They love him. I, you know, they're, they're, they want him. What's, what's wrong? And he said, he doesn't want it. 
He's been praying not to get it. Ah, oh, God says, well, I can't believe that guy. So he's, what are we going to do? And, and, and God says, I can't make the church not hire him. They want him. They have free will. I, I can't change their free will. And Peter's like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. He doesn't want it. And, uh, and Peter said, well, I, I, can you do this? Could you raise the temperature on their irritation about ums and ands in preaching so that they decide they don't want him? And God's like, huh, I think I could do that. And he turns up the knob, the Nibo knob on irritation, and they hear the sermon, and they go, I can't believe that guy's saying um and and so much. Get rid of him. So I, I don't know. I think that's how it happened. So, uh, but, but I will tell you this. I was so excited, so happy not to get that job. But it, it, in my, I just felt like it totally depended on God. Um, and I prayed, and he came through. So... Um, We pray like it depends on God. And when we do, here's the great, exciting thing. We can expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. That's the characteristic of praying like it depends on God. You ever talk to people in ministry? They, they always expect the unexpected. Sure, you plan like it depends on you, but then you pray like it depends on God. And anybody who's done that, they know, oh my gosh, unexpected things happen. And we just, we, we never know what's going to happen, but we trust that, that God's going to be in part of it. And um, it, it, so the text says, the king and the queen sitting beside him said, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told them how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Now, I think it's very fun that Nehemiah told the king how long he would be gone, but he didn't tell us, right? It's not in there, how long he would be gone. How long do you think he was gone? You can cross-reference it and look at historical records and figure it out. Twelve years. Twelve years. Can you imagine going to your boss and with a great plan? I have got a great plan. Really, it sounds awesome. So how long will you be on? Twelve years. You're like, he's like, your, your boss, she's like, so you're quitting. Is that, is that what, he's like, so you're not going to be my cupbearer anymore. You're you're leaving, so are you asking to leave? Because, you know, you're a slave. You know, it's like, it's, it, he, but he expected the unexpected, and the king came through, and it's like, okay, uh, you can leave for 12 years, and I'll give you all the wood and the protection necessary to do it. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so uh, I want to just tell you uh, the story of uh, a guy named Doug Coe. Uh, who is in ministry, and he expects the unexpected. He believes that God can move mountains, and he, he uses that kind of language. Now, I tell you Doug Coe's story because it relates to a story I told you last week. So last week, I told you a story about Bob, and I said, it's a true story. I didn't say true story, I, but I, I said true story, and here's what I got. I got feedback from people saying, well, people were wondering, why did you have to tell us it was a true story? Does that mean that most of your stories aren't true? No. What it means is the story was so unbelievable that I actually had to, you know, reassure myself and you, no, really, it's true. So I did some research to make sure 
it was true. So, Because I got the story from John Ortberg in a book by him, who's a pastor I just respect so much. Uh, but he just said it was about Bob, and I didn't know Bob's last name. So I did some, you know, a story like that one, you ought to be able to do some research and find it. So I did. His name is Bob Hunter, and the person discipling him was this guy, Doug Coe. Uh, and it is true. It is a true story. There were a couple things I got wrong. I don't know if I got them wrong or John Ortberg got them wrong. But uh, so I said that he uh, was praying for Kenya. It wasn't Kenya. It was Uganda. And the orphanage was in Uganda. And when uh, he sent stuff over, I said medical supplies, like a million dollars worth. Uh, the real story says it was like toys and clothes and stuff like that. Which, okay, whatever, whichever one of those it was. But he did go to the orphanage for a celebration. And the president of Uganda was there. And he did give him a tour. And he saw a prison. And he said, what kind of prisoners are there? And he said, those are political prisoners. And Bob Hunter said to the president of Uganda, you should let them go. And then he came home. And a few weeks later, the State Department called him and said, did you talk to the president of Uganda and tell him to let the prisoners go? And he said, yes. And he said, well, he did. He let him go. And he said it was because of Bob. So it was this amazing story of being in the right place at the right time. So great true story. But the rest of the story is, is that Doug Coe had challenged him to begin praying um, for something. And that, listen to this. He said, if you pray for 45 days every day and you just pray, Lord, do something in Africa. And if nothing happens, if nothing unexpected happens, if, if, if God doesn't move mountains, I will pay you $500. But if something happens, you pay me $500. Now that, how about that? Now that's an interesting story. So, um, so when Bob got back and he found out that, that, God, that he had done this amazing work with the State Department, guess what he did? He sent Doug Coe a check for $500. Uh, it... it the story doesn't end there, though, because uh, Doug Coe told the story to a group of uh, young Christian uh, entrepreneurs. And after that meeting, 13 of them came up to him and said, we want the same deal. If we pray for something for 45 days um, and nothing happens, we want you to pay us $500 each. And, but if something happens, we'll pay you. And Doug's like, uh, suddenly that's $6,500, that's not 500 But he took them up on it. 45 days later, 12 of them had sent him checks for $500 saying, we saw the unexpected. We saw Mount God move mountains. One took a few weeks longer and sent him a check for $500 and said, God didn't move the mountain, but he's changed my life so much because of praying for it. Uh, I think I owe you the 500 Expect the unexpected. Doug Coe did, and it's, it changes so many places around the world. Bob Hunter did, and it changes so many places around the world. We, we can expect the unexpected. I honestly, um, my heart goes out to you on this list and to us on this list because not every prayer request is going to have a Bob Hunter, Doug Coe happy ending. Things are going to happen here that we wish didn't happen. But we can expect the unexpected. In every one of these cases, God is able to move mountains. It might not be the mountains we wanted moved. It might not be the things that we wanted to have happen. But we can expect the unexpected with each of those things. 
So let me invite you to take a step to just think about this. Because whether or not you're on that prayer list, at some point, you are going to have a turning point. At some point, you are going to have something in your life. Maybe it is now. Maybe it's weeks or years from now. But where we have to depend on God. And it's good to look back on our lives and see where he has been for us in the past. So this week, take time to think about a time when God came through unexpectedly in your life. Unexpectedly, you didn't know it was going to happen and suddenly somebody showed up or a resource or an opportunity came through for you. And then share that experience with someone else. Because you know what? All of us are going through it. All of us have things in our lives. And it would be so helpful to know God came through for you. And if you would tell me that story, then I could trust that God will come through for me. So that's being a community together. Expect the unexpected. So this week, just take, think about a time when, it would ha- when it's happened for you. We each have something we need God's partnership with. We should plan like it depends on us. And then pray like it depends on God. And expect the unexpected. Let's pray.